my name is Jackson McMurray. I'm leaving. I'm fleeing the country. My name is Jackson McMurray, and this no is No Nerds Allowed. And I'm leaving the country. Adeline, say your name. The audience needs to no. know who you are. You didn't say your name. Yes, I did. I said my name is Jackson McMurray. I'm going to shoot you. I'm in a different state than you, but I'm going to end you. We're in the same state. Are we state. in different states? No, we're Where in the same state. I'm in Ellensburg, What's your address? What's your address? My address is, please say your name so we can start the podcast. Can you stop whispering into the microphone, my good dude? My name's Jackson McMurray, and this is No Nerds Allowed. And I'm Adeline McMurray, and I'm the one who's strangling the other man that you hear. Okay, how about now? Is this good? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> None of this has been good. <laughs> I'm done. I'll, I'll call out there. I really like that as a nature of them. Okay, cool, great. <laughs> Jackson. Uh, guess who's got two thumbs and two index fingers and just got a job at Domino's? <laughs> Woo! Danny I, DeVito. No, it was me. It wasn't Danny DeVito. It was me. Yeah. Are you, oh. Does Danny DeVito well, work at Domino's? And he's retired, right? No, because he's, he's going to be retired. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> well, he's also still... Uh, why do you think he's retired? He's still a very much... <laughs> A working actor. I don't know. He's getting up there. He's getting old. Yeah, that's true. He is pretty old. Remember all that episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he came out of a couch totally I nude? I literally knew that you were going to bring that up because I think it's the most scarred about anything you've ever been. Yeah. You're going to talk about that in therapy one day because you were you hate that scene so much. That, that Always Sunny in Philadelphia Christmas special. <laughs> Anyway, what's it like to work at Domino's? Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't started. Uh, I can only assume it's wonderful, though. Um, Because, uh, well, okay, first of all, for real, though, this is a small college town, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to be delivering about a million pizzas an hour, which means I expect to be making cash money, um, and I'm, you know, I'll make sure that I remember you all when I'm rich. It'll, it'll It'll be very cash money of you. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do my best to stay humble. And have... the boss of this company didn't kill uh, lions. That's true. Uh, yeah, I worked at Jimmy John's <laughs> for a very long time, and I sort of just had to come to terms with the fact that I was working for Craven the Hunter. Um, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Didn't kill Cecil the lion, <laughs> as our grandpa likes to say. Yeah. That's my favorite, is when people get, like, two news stories, like, conflated. Yeah. I brought that up, but I can't think of any other examples, though. So well, it's just, just move it's on. Just... Save me. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't have any stories from my life. My life is really boring. <laughs> I've been playing The Sims a lot. <laughs> How's that going? So there's that. It's been going pretty good. No, I figured out, me and my friends figured out that on Discord, through the screen share, we can quote-unquote play The Sims together. So we've been doing that, oh, right. it's been really fun. Uh, I went it's to not... an open mic night a little while ago. Uh, and oh, did you crush the... it? Uh, yeah, I did. But one of the girls did stand up, and she did a bit about playing The Sims. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could plug her, but I do not remember her name. It was pretty because funny, though. Because it's, it's funny and relatable. Yeah. She was Dude, like, oh, man, is... people are always like, what if we live in a simulation and we're really being controlled by 
aliens or higher life forms. But it's like, if if that were true, why would I be pretending to do that on my computer? And I was like, haha, that's very good and very funny. Thank you. The, and and you I clapped laugh, my hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's my life. <laughs> that's what I've been doing. So what movie did we watch this week? Uh, we watched Beauty and the Beast, 2017 edition, the live yes. action one, with Hermione Granger and the twink that my friends like and whose name I can't remember. Are you talking about Ewan McGregor? No. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy who plays Beast. Oh, Dan Stevens. Yeah, Dan Stevens. <laughs> I'm so mad that he isn't hot. Don't get me started. What? Dan, what do you, you don't think Dan Stevens is hot? Okay, he's hot. But he's not hot in the same way that the Beast is hot. It's two different types of hotness. You just want him to be buffer. Yeah, I just want him to be buff and hairy, but he's a twink and he's not <laughs> as handsome. He's a little he is a little twinky. He's a little tiny boy who dances around and wears makeup and makes weird growling sound effects, and I don't like him <laughs> as much as I like Beast. He's a... Who takes out, like, ten wolves <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah, he's good in Legion. I didn't see that movie. It's a, it's a TV show. I saw this one. It was disappointing. It's an X-Men TV show, and he's Legion, oh. and he is in a mental hospital. And yeah. he's also in Colossal, which nobody wants to watch with me. <laughs> we could do Colossal. Maybe we should. I really like Colossal. Maybe that'll you be You really next like Colossal. We could just have a Dan Stevens marathon. What else is Dan Stevens in lately? I don't know. I have Google open right now. I'm checking. I'm checking. I'm not checking. I'm not um, check. The Guest. Great. I never heard of that movie. Oh, The Man Who Invented about... Christmas? He played Charles Dickens? Oh. Because Charles Dickens invented Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Beauty and the Beast? Um, yeah, so you picked this movie. Explain. Yeah. Show well, your work. Because Disney has been going through this phase where they're uh, redoing all of their classic animated princess films, and not necessarily just their princess films, but their movies, as quote-unquote live-action movies. And I don't inherently have an issue with this. There's so many people in the world who are like, they're just re- remaking things. There's no such thing as an original movie these days. <laughs> right. Which is A, not true, and B, sorry that you can't have fun. <laughs> but <laughs> Right. So... Uh, the first one that came out was the Cinderella one, and we should probably actually do that one, too, because I really like that one. It's a really pretty movie. They did some fun things with the story. They kind of reimagined it and made it a little bit more modern. It was just a fun movie. There wasn't as much rat discourse as there was in the original Cinderella. <laughs> what? I don't think I've seen the original Cinderella. What Literally the fuck are you talking about? 75% of the original animated Cinderella is just Jacques and whatever the other mouse's name is running around and not getting killed by the cat. It's literally just <laughs> Looney Tunes. And then at some point, Cinderella gets married or whatever. But that's just like the whole movie. <laughs> okay. How much rat anyway, discourse is there in the live action one? Uh, enough that I don't remember it. So, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Hopefully not a lot. But, so then the next one that came out was Beauty and the Beast, and we, did we both do this in theaters? Um, yeah, I saw it, uh, not to brag or anything, uh, I got to see it almost a week early, so. That's right, because you worked at the movie theater. I worked at the movie theater, I got to see it with three other girls on, like, <laughs> the Thursday before it came out. Who not were Thursday, much more Tuesday. excited than you. <laughs> yeah, precisely. They were all yeah. like, oh, it was so good. Did you love it? I was like, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think this movie is super interesting because it does do some things really well, and it does some other things not well. Mm-hmm. And then when you really get down to it, it doesn't matter. Is this good? This movie could not be good enough to not be unnecessary. <laughs> All right, fair enough. This could be the best goddamn movie on the planet, and when it it would still be unnecessary. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because you could argue that the Cinderella one was necessary because they do a lot more stuff with the characters that propel the story a lot more than the original animated right. one did. No, Adeline, this, this one's feminist. Well, this one didn't do anything with the. I don't care about everybody's dead parents. I don't care. Stop telling me about everyone's dead parents. They're this not is the in the movie. This is the Beauty and the Beast adaption. She doesn't wear a corset. How don't you know about all yeah, this? Yeah, her dress is super ugly. <laughs> it looks bad. No, but yeah. So I, it's just really interesting what they do with this movie and what they don't do with this movie. And I think, I, not to shit all over remakes or to shit all over Disney because right. I think that they are doing cool things with the remakes. But I don't know. I thought this one was just interesting. Of like why they chose to remake it, remake it when they don't they they do weird things. Yeah, we should and do Jungle gonna, Book. We should Jungle because Book Jungle is really Book rules. good. Yeah, yeah, not Mowgli. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Mowgli. You haven't even seen Mowgli. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andy Circus. Um, but so, um, starting with the Beauty and the Beast, the first thing that I've written down is that that whole flashback opening is so. Heavy-handed. Yeah, I, I okay. It rubs up, though, me the wrong way. I don't know. I really like the opening sequence. I mean, oh, do you? It sort of doesn't quite jive with the rest of the movie, which I yeah. accept. Um, but it's very pretty. And when I hadn't seen the rest of the movie yet, I saw that for the first time. I was like, oh shit, maybe this is gonna be a rad movie. Um, oh yeah, no, that it's is very pretty. That song sucks. <laughs> Oh, I don't even remember the song. She's like, oh, how divine. There's a bunch of ladies dancing. (laughs) This prince likes women. It's France, whatever. It sucks. It's a bad song. Yeah, speaking of France, um, let's do a tally of all the characters in this movie that have French accents. Lumiere. Lumiere. And there we go. (laughs) (laughs) End of list. And (laughs) And they mention... Specifically, that it's set in France a whole bunch of yeah. times. Oh no, they don't let you forget that we're in France. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. The thing about this movie, what I think is like its biggest saving grace, is that it's got like a really distinct aesthetic. Like it does. it's got it's a really, really set color palette, and everything like visually is really thematically similar, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. This movie is really, really pretty. Well, I talk about that a little bit when we get further to the movie, but the first thing that I... One of the... Another thing that I have written down is that uh, this is a little bit cinema sensey, but it's they have that opening scene where these all these beautiful women all dancing whatever, but it's like, what happens to these characters? Because there's definitely this connection between the castle and the town where they know each other, but they've forgotten each other because of the magic spell. But we never see any of these women ever again. They're not in the town. They're not servants. We don't see them at the end of the movie when everybody's human again. It's just like, go away, women. You were beautiful. Now go away. But that's <laughs> this the is thing. the feminist one. Right. And that's the thing about this movie. Uh, okay, did you watch the Lindsay Ellis video I sent you? I did not. I was worried that I would repeat her opinions. Okay. So uh, this is the second time I've plugged a Lindsay Ellis video on this podcast. I just, I really, really like Lindsay Ellis's videos. I think she does a really good job of, like, dissecting movies and things like that. Um, but anyway, one of the things that she talks about is how obsessed this movie is with, like, refuting 
the like plot hole clickbait criticism of the original movie. It's like yeah. people were like, oh, uh, wh- we don't know anything about these people. Does every dish have a person associated with it? And they like go all the way out of their way to give you like a whole backstory about anything and everything they possibly can. And where's Belle's mom? We don't know. So they give her a mom. So people stop saying that. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's all this kind of stuff. But even though they're doing that, like, so specifically with these sorts of criticisms in mind, there's, they, like, introduce so many more in the process. I know. There's well, so many things do that, that don't thing. quite add up in this movie. They do that thing where they're showing Belle into her nice pretty room, and she's like, is everything here alive? And she picks up a brush and goes, hello, <laughs> yeah. what's your name? And they're like, oh, this girl's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, so wait, hold on. If not everything is the castle alive, you freaking candlestick, then why are all these plates <laughs> flying around? Explain everything else that's happening right now, Lumiere, you piece of shit. I really like you throwing candlestick around as if it's a slur. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, not everything's alive, and then we get to be our guest and everything yeah, is alive. Exactly, but yeah. it's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm acting like I don't like this movie. I really enjoy watching this movie. I've watched it more than once because I'll just be like, I'm bored. I'll watch Beauty and the Beast because it's right. just like a pretty nice movie. Like I could just kind of like sit down and take it in and be like, whatever. Right. But that's the kind of thing that I love to look at with like a more of scrutinizing eye because like I just like enjoy things and I enjoy things that are bad and I enjoy things that are good. So like I super enjoy this movie, but I'm also completely willing to tear it apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and... um. You know, I saw this movie once that very first time, and then I saw it a second time uh, with family, I think. Um, And the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, I'm down with this movie. And the second time I watched it, I was like, okay, I didn't really get anything new out of it on a second watch. (laughs) And I was Mm -hmm. very much prepared to never watch it ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Uh, But here we are, yeah. Um, I mean, the set design in this movie is so pretty. Like, of all these remakes, they're just pretty. They're nice to look at. The costumes in this movie are really, really pretty. Except for Bozdras. Um, <laughs> like, all of the townsfolk have these, like, really, like, bright colors with all that really, like, specific, like, patchworky kind of aesthetic. Right. Like, everything's just pretty and nice to look at. Uh, okay, uh, I hate the townsfolk song. I hate it. I really it. like that song. Really? I, I don't know. I mean, it's not... It's not the best song on the planet. I don't know. There's something charming about it. Yeah. I mean, it is... The song is literally, she's not like other girls, the yeah. song. Well, and like, I get that, and I understand it. <laughs> it's not the music that bothers me. I don't have a problem with the music itself. It's just yeah. like, the whole point of this song is just like... I mean, the characters aren't saying this, but like, the intent of the song is like, yeah. oh, we're all townsfolk, we're so dumb... Belle is so much better than us. Look at the main character! Like, she's so yeah. special and wonderful, and she's better than everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, and by the way, this is, like, a weird little point that I just was thinking about the whole movie. They made that yeah. press release that was like, Belle's not going to wear a corset in this one, um, because it's, like... She doesn't in the original, part of our I. Yeah, that also. But it's, like, part of our whole, like, feminist branding we're putting on this thing. Um, yeah, really. Like to me, initially, it's like that doesn't mean anything. But mm-hmm. I can kind of understand, like, oh, we're not going to hold her up to the same messed up beauty standards that existed just for the sake of like whatever weird historical accuracy, you know? Like, I get yeah. that. That's fine. Here's yeah. the thing, though, 
is that all the other women in the story are still wearing corsets. Are wearing corsets. <laughs> yeah, it's just not Belle. And it's totally, once again, everyone else is so dumb, and Belle is so smart and woke and better than everybody else on the planet. <laughs> She has an Instagram. Go <laughs> yeah. follow her. It's just she like, does call out posts. Yeah, it's like it feels so almost like condescending. Like yeah. everybody else doesn't know what's best for them, but I'm Belle and I don't wear a corset and I know what's best for everybody, you know? I mean, I think I think it's okay because the movie is trying to tell you this, but Belle is never like I'm better than all of you. Like, she right. talks about, like, being bored and not being happy where she is, but she's right. not like, I hate you, Ted. Yeah, right, that's you, fair. there, you. You're an idiot. Like, she never <laughs> does that. She does that a little bit with Gaston, but he deserves it, so it's right, okay. Right, yeah. Like, I don't know. Belle <laughs> is likable and not stuck up, so even though the movie is kind of stuck up, <laughs> yeah. it still works. That's fair enough. Um, and the, what, what I, the problem that I have with this song is that Emma Watson is not the strongest singer of all time. And I mm-hmm. think that's totally c- fine. But the way that she's singing it, I can tell that they tried to give her, like, singing coaching and practice. That's, so she's trying to sing in this really professional, like, trained way. But right. she can't because her voice is that good. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been so much more charming if they had kind of just, like, let her sing, you know? Right. Like, I don't know, Belle doesn't need to be this amazing singer. She can just be this girl who's singing, and I think that would have been yeah. way cooler. And it's like, not to say that she's doing a bad job of singing, like, at all, but I can just, like, tell in the way that she uses her voice. Like, she's been trained to sing in this really specific way, and like I wish they would have just, like, let her sing. Yeah, like, she's trying to do something that she's not necessarily comfortable with. Yeah. While there would be other things she would be more comfortable with that would turn out better. Yeah, exactly. Um. Okay, uh... I really like the character of the dad in this movie, though. I really appreciate the way that they wrote him. I've Um, got a couple things before we get to the dad. Okay, go for it. So first, after that, there's that shot during that song where she sings about the book. It's where they go into the slow, melodic part. It's like, isn't this amazing? That whole part. Sure. Where the camera starts to circle around her and you see all the flowers in the background. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The bad sound of music, Sean. No, I love that shot. I thought oh, that really? was so cool. Where you see all the flowers around her. I thought that was really pretty. <laughs> uh, second, there's that scene where <laughs> LeFou and Gaston are across the world and they see Belle and it's fine or whatever because they have a telescope. But there's a shot where Gaston like literally looks into camera and goes, that means she's the best. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, movie. <laughs> I like didn't even think about that that way. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, I do enjoy LeFou and Gaston in this movie. I think not necessarily as characters, but I right. do think they're funny. That's like, true. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. They, they have lots of lines that make me laugh, and I think they do a good job of that. Uh, <laughs> the whole point of Belle, the song, is for to establish that this town sucks and it's boring and Belle isn't happy here. Right. But they have that whole crescendo at the end of the song where you see the huge market and all these people and all these cool things are happening and Belle's like, this place sucks. It's like, don't <laughs> show me how cool this place is. Right. Like, I don't know. It was weird how they used it. They were like, look how cool, magnific- magnificent, and all these colors and all these people and all these things. And yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. how cool this is. But then the moral of the song is that she's not happy and it's like weird. And I right. get there could be some meaning to that. It's like she doesn't see the good in this, but then they, like, never come back and redeem it. So mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know, it's weird. It's a weird moral. Uh, there's another shot. I'm just going to go off because then we can talk about the dad. But okay. <laughs> there's this another shot at the end of the song 
where everyone in the town square stops except for Belle, who keeps walking. And in theory, that's a really, really cool shot, but it just doesn't work. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, why didn't it look good? First of all, because the stop wasn't in time with the music. They just, like, stopped randomly. It wasn't <laughs> even, like, on beat. And second of all, the camera's really far away. So everybody stops, and Belle keeps walking. But, like, it doesn't create the focus that you want it to. It mm-hmm. just looks like an accident. I don't know. It's right. a really weird shot. And, like, it was a really cool idea, and I just, like, couldn't understand why it didn't pay off the way that they wanted it to. And I thought that was interesting. Right. And, okay, so the dad. I like. Yes. Because really I think like him. Um, a lot of this movie is what I sometimes call like pseudo feminism, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. true. I think it is still feminism. It's just not helpful feminism. The strongest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the dad is a really good example of something that we should be doing more of, which is just to have male characters who are like authority figures who are just who chill. Are cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she like he's just like proud of his daughter and encourages her to do the things that she loves and you know doesn't take any issue with her teaching little girls how to read or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Doesn't dump her <laughs> laundry in the road yeah. for no reason. <laughs> um, I okay. do kind of Oh no, you can go. I'm yeah, that scene with the laundry machine. Yes. Is so, like, there's the two halves of it. The first one is, like, she's teaching a little girl how to read, and the other one is she's invented this laundry machine. Her yeah. teaching the little girl how to read is not my favorite thing in the movie, but it kind of works because, like, it establishes that she really loves books and her and the Beast bond over books later. So yeah. it's, like, sort of this thematic setup. That's fine. The laundry machine doesn't have jack shit to do with anything else in the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, well, no, it's because, for some reason, they wouldn't... In the original anime movie, her dad is this crazy inventor who just, like, invents this garbage that never works, and everyone thinks he's crazy. But, so, in this one, he just, like, makes these artsy music boxes. It's... I wish they would have just let him be a weird inventor. Like, I felt like they didn't need to change that. Like, we would like him no matter what. And so, then, I feel like they still wanted that kind of inventy kind of aspects or like oh we'll just have Belle do something but then she never does anything after that if she continued to do that kind of stuff I'd be like oh hell yeah but they don't and she doesn't by the way I just I think it's really funny there's that moment where Gaston is like hitting on her and he's like don't you want to have kids and she's like um I don't want to have kids right now and I immediately just thought of like that sounds like a clickhole article (laughs) like Disney announces new princess doesn't want to have kids Right now. <laughs> exactly. Like, I just can't help but imagine, like, that's just so funny to me. The fact that they added yeah. this whole line in about how she doesn't want to have kids necessarily. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's, it's what I like to call, like, girl power feminism, which yeah. I think is really important for little girls. I think the first step to teach you little girls to be feminist, quote unquote, is like to start with girl power, with, like, Girls are great. Girls can be whatever they want to be. Here's a team of girls. Girls, girls, girls. I think that's a great foundation. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you kind of have to move away from that and be like, okay, here's how you take this empowerment that you have and like place it in reality. How, here's <laughs> right. how you interact with in a positive way with men. How men positively interact with you. Like you have to take that empowerment and do something with it. Yeah, it yeah. The girl power. Yeah, that's a really so good I way of like, putting that. Yeah. So I feel like when. <clears throat> so I feel like. This kind of light feminism, this kind of basic feminism is fine because it's Beauty and the Beast. So right, her being yeah. like, Gaston, I don't want kids right now. 
that's I, I think that's totally fine because a we're in 1700s France so that's bizarre and b because the little girls watching this are like oh I don't have to have kids right now right yeah. <laughs> six or whatever <laughs> but yeah it's okay so to not want to have kids right now <laughs> right right this moment right now <laughs> another thing that this movie does I think is really weird is that they weirdly set the movie in reality. Like, with the little girl not knowing how to read and the kind of, kind of putting it in the politics of the French 1700s or whatever right. time period it is. And, well, that's the and thing, And, like, though. the plague subplot later. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Setting it weirdly in reality was just strange. I don't know. I don't right. know if I like it. Lindsay Ellis makes a really good point in her video which about this specifically, which is that uh, at the time period in France that they're setting this movie... Um, mm-hmm. little girls were definitely, definitely knowing how to read. And also, yeah. the original Beauty and the Beast story was published in a magazine aimed at little girls in this time period in yeah. France. <laughs> That's so. unfortunate. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> basic fact-checking. Um, and... This is a little bit later. Uh, I still think it's dumb that the dad is like, oh, I forgot to get her a rose that she asked for for some reason. Yeah. Okay, no, but that whole line where it's like, what do you want? Every year you bring, you, every year you bring me a rose, I want a rose. I had a Beauty and the Beast computer game that I remember <laughs> so vividly that I would play all the time. There's all these mini games. But for some reason, there was a line of dialogue in that game that was that line of dialogue. And, like, that one line, like, shoots me back to, like, 2006. <laughs> it's so weird. I get this weird, like, texture memory and, right. like, scent memory. It's so weird. Is it... And I want to find that video game again. <laughs> is, is that line in the original movie, too? Yeah. That, no, that's the thing. It's that oh. every time he goes, he brings her a rose. Why does she want a rose? Because, I don't know. Well, in the movies, <laughs> because there's a painting of her super dead mom, and she has a rose in the painting. Okay, but why aren't it, there roses it, in her town? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> but, uh, what's, I have something before that. Oh. Uh, the mom subplot isn't needed because, A, they don't use it for anything. Nope. And B, it doesn't even affect Belle's character. It's not even like, I want to be like my mom who right. was cool. It's just like, hey, Belle, you had a cool mom. Great. It's just, yeah, it has Moving absolutely on. nothing to do with anything. And I hate yeah. to be the person who says, they just added it to pad out the runtime or whatever. But it's really it and speech. truly doesn't connect to anything in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Uh and yeah. the only thing I can imagine is because they heard so many people being like, where are all the moms in Disney movies? They're like, we have to put the mom in this one. We so need a mom. stop saying Stat. that. Yeah. Give me 50 cc's of mom. Yeah. <laughs> I need it now for my story. <laughs> for my fan fiction of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the real The Hills Are Alive shot is when she goes outside of town and does I Want Adventure in the oh, Great White yeah, Somewhere. That was that's the, the Hills Are Alive. Right. That, the, that's the shot I was talking about earlier. Sorry, yeah. I got that a little messed up. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's uh, just like the Sound of Music but with a slightly worse green screen. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. <laughs> okay, so when the dad leaves and he's like, okay, I'll get your rose, he's walking down the street. I, mean, I love the dad. I love his dialogue with Philippe. I think that's great. I love it. Uh, but the freaking wolves and the stock wolf sound effects that they keep 
blasting where it's like these terrible like growling monster <laughs> sounds and they just don't stop like the whole time and then there's the wolf with the bad guy scar and it's like <laughs> I get this is a fairy tale meant for right. children but come on <laughs> like why do we need to characterize these wolves so vividly yeah if you just told me that there were wolves I'd be like cool danger he doesn't need to be scar from the Lion King for me to know that this is bad news <laughs> uh, I so there's a line in this this was way later in the movie. I think I didn't take any notes for a little while. Um, okay. But there's I got this more. Moment. Don't worry. Okay. You can fill in after I say this. Uh, gotcha. To me, like, the two parts of this movie that crack me up are, like, the anti-CinemaSins parts of the movie and yes. the pseudo-feminist parts of this movie. And the Venn diagram, like, eclipses perfectly in that one moment <laughs> where... Uh, the wardrobe is like, I'm going to dress you fit to be a princess. And she's like, but I'm not a princess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like simultaneously like feminist Looking. empowerment. And also people always say she's a princess, but technically she's not. Like, Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the perfect just encapsulation like of everything about this Looking down the barrel of two different cameras. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, what do I have before that? Okay. Uh, first of all, when... Uh, Philippe comes back to her and she's like, Philippe, where's Papa? Take me to him. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so good. Which is also in the original movie, but Philippe was like a talking animal in the original, so it's Oh, fine. he was? No, he didn't talk, but he's like, uh, he's like oh, the okay. horse entangled, gotcha. where he's got like a personality in his character. Gotcha. And it's not just a horse like he <laughs> right. is in this Not movie. like an actual real horse that they had to interact yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> just a real ass horse. Uh, and then also, she's wearing the same dress for like three days, <laughs> or I guess... <laughs> Right. The, the amount of time it takes for them. To, they, they're really sketchy about how long it takes to get to that break in the woods. Because we're told it's a day's journey to wherever the dad is going. I'm going to turn to CinemaSense for a second. Okay, go for <laughs> they tell, it. They tell us it's a day's journey to where he's going. But then when he goes with Gaston, he's like, we've been searching for days. And then when they come back to the village after being tied up by Gaston, Gaston was like, we were looking for you for five days. And it's like... How long have you been away? What is the time period? What is <laughs> right. happening? Yeah, this is the like one they, movie that I'm perfectly comfortable being cinema scenes about because yeah, it's, it's so it much made with that in, in mind, and I just it it gives me such a weird satisfaction to be like, you still you still don't got it. <laughs> yeah, you still miss them bits. Uh, <laughs> freaking, I hate this thing where I really like Belle's original blue dress that she likes. I like the, like, patchworky aesthetic of it. Right. But she does this thing where she, like, tucks the end of the skirt into her belt on one side, <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing on the planet. <laughs> I didn't so even think You can see, like, that. her weird, like, dress pants and shoes, so it's it's another one of those. She's not like other girls, right. but she it's so weird. she wears pants under her dress with no corset. Yeah, but it's like... It's like when you, this is, hey, girls only content. It's like when you go to the bathroom and you're wearing a short skirt and you accidentally tuck the back of your skirt into your underwear. Right, yeah. It's like that, but she did it on purpose <laughs> as a fashion statement. <laughs> anyway. Uh, da Oh, when she goes to save her dad from the Beast prison. Mm-hmm. And he's got that old-timey cough disease all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. but for that scene only. <laughs> yeah. They tell you he's going to die and that he's fine afterwards. Yeah, he's like, if, if, if he stays here, he'll die. <laughs> and then he goes home and he's fine. And then he's tied to a tree for like three days and he's and it's, fine. It's nothing, yeah. And it's not a plot point. 
Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't paying close enough attention to that part. Where, yeah, you're totally right. He's like, yeah, <laughs> he'll die, and then he's fine. The rest of the movie, <laughs> he'll die. <laughs> Uh, and then we talked about this the first time that we saw it, but the beast's design is so cool. Oh, it's so rad! It's so rad. It's so good. Like it's this like perfect balance of like Dark Souls monster and yeah. like handsome furry boy. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> yeah. a really nice design. No, he totally looks like a Bloodborne villain. Yeah, I don't mean furry like furry. I meant furry like he has fur. I realize well, that don't, I don't used pretend. The word. I mean, yeah. Don't tell lies. <laughs> I mean, see, the problem with the beast in relation to furryism <laughs> is that <laughs> he... Well, it's because he is a monster who's based off an amalgamation of, like, six different animals. Right. But he also has to be at least a little bit attractive because he's the main love interest. Right. So you are supposed to be attracted to the beast, and that's fine. <laughs> but it does make you a monster fucker. <laughs> We just all have to get past that. Um, super quick, uh, are you going to get super mad at me if I talk about Scary Godmother? I'm Yeah, I'm actually going to get mad at <laughs> okay, you. Okay, fine. Because that joke wasn't funny when you made it, and it's not funny now. It's very funny. We can move on, though. Cool. Um, <laughs> the Where am I at? I've got, like, three pages of this. Yeah. Are you, st- are you up to the point where she's getting dressed yet? No. Okay. okay. Keep going. <laughs> So there's the scene where she switches place with her dad, and she's, like, in the cell. And in that cell, there's, like, the part of the wall that just, like, is, isn't. And it's just open for <laughs> right. her to jump out of. And there are no OSHA coats in this goddamn castle. <laughs> it's, like, the same idiots who, be- who built Rivendell also built this castle. But it's, like, beyond that. It's not even, like, there are no guard railings. It's, like, in some places there are just no walls. Deal wow. with it. Hot take about Rivendell. Yeah, no, that's been a joke for forever. There are no, there are no things to lean on in Lord of the Rings. You can just fall off a cliff instead. Yeah, you just keep walking. I would never be able to navigate anywhere. I would just fall off of a bridge and die. Bye, Frodo. Okay, uh, let's go. Oh, there's that stupid scene. It, this isn't the original too. This isn't every iteration where uh, Cogsworth and Lumiere are like, "Oh, we'll lead you to your bedroom. It's in the East Wing, and there's also a West Wing." And she's like, "What's in the West Wing?" And they're like, "Oh, I don't know. Anyway, look over here." And it's like, just tell her it's the Beast's bedroom. Right. Like, why is this a big secret? Just like, hey, that's where the big scary guy lives. <laughs> He'll get mad at you if you go there. Like, right. why are you being secretive about it? Well, no, in the in the animated one, isn't she like, what's in the West Wing? And he's like, it is forbidden. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I really like, I really so that's like that a little bit. That's a little bit different because it's the Beast telling her that. Right. So, like, that's fine. But when it's, like, Lumiere Cogsworth, it's just like, just tell her it's the Beast yeah, room. Because it is. It's not weird. Like, she's... She's not going to go in there. It's like, oh, we shouldn't tell him where he sleeps. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. They don't really have a lot of motivation to be so secretive about it. No. Well, they do a little bit later, but like, right, just like, just tell her. We're yeah. not keeping secrets. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a scene where they get her to where they get her to the room, and this is absolutely a Sinosin's thing, and I apologize now, <laughs> okay. but they're like, yeah, it's like this beautiful room, and Lumiere goes, it's modest, but nice, like, oh, this is just a crappy little room. And then two seconds later, he goes, we wanted you to have the best room in the castle. And it's like, Lumiere, you just said two seconds ago. <laughs> He's just being modest. 
Yeah, but now not anymore. This oh sorry, this room sucks. You can have it if yeah. you want. It's the best one. And we want like, it's for you. Being pouty. Take it, please. <laughs> he's fishing anyway, for compliments. I'm gonna stop yelling at Lumiere. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want to make a bit out of that because that's so funny to me. All right, it's so like, Lumiere, with- you fucking candlestick, get the hell out of my face with this. <laughs> get out of my movie. Um, with the wardrobe lady. Why is sleepiness only a thing for her character? Like, everybody's getting steadily more like the object that they are, and that's fine, and I get that. But for her, it's like she's steadily getting sleepy and hard, find, making it harder for her to stay awake. But, like, why? Why is that only a thing for right. her? Like, why isn't that a problem with everybody else? I truly don't even remember that. Well, because she's always sleeping for no reason. That's not even a thing in an anime <laughs> movie. I don't know why they did that. It's such a right. weird, unnecessary thing. Maybe it's co- so that the voice actor wasn't there all the time because they didn't want to pay her. <laughs> I don't know. Well, in the movie, isn't it like they're not going to die? They just like they will be candlesticks or whatever forever, right? Well, it's they won't be alive anymore. They don't die, but they won't be alive. I could have sworn in the original movie it was like. You know, you'll still be alive and walking around as a candlestick or whatever. You'll just no. never turn back into a person. No, it's that they will be that object. Oh. They will turn into an object. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm still unconvinced, thing, but we can move on. The next thing that I have written down is, ew, girl stuff. Because there's what? that scene where she's like, I'll make you a dress. And she wraps her in all the fabric and stuff, and that's right after the scene that you were talking about. Right. And she's just, like, sitting there, and she's like, ew, pink, <laughs> tight dress, I'm wearing a wig, and she, like, crawls out of it, and I'm like, okay. I'm not this like is other for girls. Little... I keep having to tell myself, this is for little girls, it's okay if it's super heavy-handed, <laughs> right. it's okay. Um, okay, so now we're, now we're back to where I'm at, give me just a second here. Yeah. Um. The next thing that I have is for, uh... The Gaston song. Right, yeah, so here's here's my beef with that song. Yeah. Uh, they can't seem to decide whether the townsfolk like Gaston or not. Exactly! Okay, so LeFou paint. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. I have yeah. a lot of opinions about this movie. <laughs> LeFou paying the people underscores the fact that everybody likes Gaston, which is vital to the moral exactly. of the story. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, it's, the pop, it's, the, it's society versus these individuals. So if the bad person is not a part of the society is an outlier that people don't like and it's like this moral doesn't work yeah, it because just it's just two together. individuals who don't like each other right it's supposed to be the user versus it's supposed to be the character versus society and that ruins that if everybody doesn't like Gaston. yeah if they're having to be paid off in order to be excited about him then it's like this doesn't yeah. this whole thing doesn't make sense yeah this whole plot like especially because the original beauty beast was written by well the script for the original animated movie I don't remember if it's the script. I should look this up. I don't remember if it's for the script or for the transcript. But it was written by a man who had AIDS. And for him, the beast was that metaphor for him having AIDS. Being like, society is against me, but these people aren't evil because of what's happened to right. them. That kind of thing. Like, uh, character versus society. Yeah. So to then, like, totally <laughs> demolish that <laughs> right. whole moral and, like, Literally, like, one movement, one thing, and one scene. It's just like, I don't know, it's so weird. Like, why would they do that? Yeah. Did they, uh... they were just looking for extra gags to put into the choreography. They just didn't have enough I mean, stuff yeah. to fill the whole thing. So they're like, we need something else to, like, keep people moving through this scene. Yeah. Um, okay. I also have written down for that scene is that they're play fighting in canon and also in reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, okay. That all said, though. Um, yeah. 
the line right at the end where Lafoe is like, it's just occurred to me that I'm illiterate is the funniest thing in the world. That joke gets me every time. I lose it at that joke every single time. Like, I don't think anything else in this movie is really that funny, but that joke slays me. It's so good. (laughs) Well, that's the payoff of them putting it kind of in reality. (laughs) Like, that's the payoff. (laughs) So, okay, Uh... the next thing I have on my list is when... Uh, the dad comes back and is trying to convince them the beast is real, which I think is a little bit later. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's much later. Okay, I have a lot of stuff. Um, I think so. Okay, so first of all, talking about the architecture of the castle when uh, Belle gets there, it's really, well, it happens all throughout the whole movie where there's all these shots of the castle where one half of it is this, like, crazy, gnarled, like, out of the ordinary architecture. Right. And then the other side is just, like, totally normal. And they do that so many times throughout the movie. And I actually thought it was super cool because I, if I had noticed it the first time, I think I would have thought it was heavy-handed. But it took me, like, three times to notice this, mm-hmm. where you have this, like, uh, juxtaposition between, like, this weird, crazy architecture and then a regular. And then you have, like, the East Wing and the West Wing where you have Beast and Belle. And right, there's yeah. all these metaphors. And I think it was really effective. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Good stuff. Move on. <laughs> uh, I have the. <laughs> Sorry, I, have I just the really like every... your polite and fake laugh right there. <laughs> Thank you for trying. I have the everything is alive. No, that explain these goddamn flying cups, Lumiere. That's where I have, written, have this written down. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So yeah. So this is past. So I just wanted to say that um, when what's his name the dad is like trying to convince everybody he has this one line where he says like the beast is real that he delivers like so well like all of a sudden i was like oh shit like (laughs) yeah this guy's super good and he's doing a really good job in this role yeah no he does such a good job it's like this cool it's he's like the realest most fleshed out character in this whole movie and he just does such a good job at it. I don't know. It's really fun to watch him do his thing. Right. And Be Our Guest is also very fun. I'm down with Be Our Guest. Well, so I feel like the Be Our Guest visuals are really, really good. Yeah. Because uh, I actually went back and watched the animated Be Our Guest, and I, it was a little bit underwhelming. Right. And it's... I think it's just because of how it aged, but uh, there's still a lot of really big shots with tons of things moving, and it's still a really impressive piece of animation. But, like, I don't know. I feel like the impressiveness of that animation then is mirrored directly by the amazingness of the animation that we have, the CGI animation now. Like, I feel like it was a good, like, transition, Mm because, like, the visuals are so pretty and really cool and convoluted and colorful and crazy, and it's really good. Like, it's a fun scene to watch. Mm -hmm. The only but thing the, is that Emma Watson, Belle, doesn't do anything. She just kind of sits there and giggles the whole time. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and it's so true weird how they both. keep, like, cutting back to her. She's still just, like, smiling in her chair. She's like, ha Okay. And, like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, okay, yeah, thanks. She, this is happening. <laughs> uh, but I think the... It's with a song like Be Our Guest. It's just, like, no cover is ever going to be as good as the original. Right. I don't know. I don't even remember how it sounds. You and McGregor honest, so. can try all that he wants. It's just not. You <laughs> dumb work. fucking candlestick. You dumb fucking candlestick. Go melt in the corner. <laughs> um. Okay. Why do we need 
to give the beast extra emotional baggage with all the uh, dad more stuff. More dead parents? Both of them? Yeah. Both of them are dead? Like, isn't the fact that he got cursed at a young age to be a beast forever, like, enough emotional yeah. trauma for one character? Why do we gotta yeah. add weird daddy issues on top yeah. of it? They also don't do anything with it yeah. again. <laughs> okay, so in the Cinderella, they do give the prince... I don't. They do give the prince these daddy issues, where the dad in Cinderella wants the prince to marry this really specific kind of girl, and he's like, "No, I fall in love with Cinderella." But they do it in this really effective way that like fleshes out both of the characters, and they have this really cool exchange and scenes. And I think like the dad dies at some point, and the prince cries, and it's like this really cool scene and this right. character and emotional development. And in this movie, they just tell you that the mom's dead and the dad sucks, and then they move on. Right. Yeah. But they literally. Just blame all of the Beast's issues, all the reason that he's kind of a jerk on his dad. Right, which is just so lazy. Yeah, and it's like the Beast can be a jerk because he changes. Right. So you don't have to defend the reason that he's a jerk. Mm -hmm. It's like, we know the Beast is a jerk. You don't have to give us a reason. He could just be kind of a shitty dude. Like, it's fine. And if anything, I I honestly feels like that makes his growth less credible because when you make it about, like, a daddy issue or something, it feels a lot more permanent. If it's just, yeah. like, something that happened to him later in his life that turned him bitter, then I'm more willing yeah. to accept him, like, changing and becoming more friendly towards the end, you yeah. know? Yeah, it was just a weird choice. They keep trying to flesh out these characters more, but they just, like, put the seed on the ground and then kick it away and don't plant right, it. Right, yeah. And I gotta give credit to this movie. Uh, while, you know, the romantic chemistry is not good... It doesn't feel rapey, which is a very hard <laughs> needle to thread in a movie like this, you know? No, I was... First of all, I have one more thing written before I talk about that. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Beast on Philippe's back is gorillas on horses all over <laughs> yeah, again. I said the same thing. We haven't talked about that in a podcast. We love talking about A War for the Planet of the Apes when gorillas just, like, ride horses all the time. And we, like, looked it's up the statistics and it's like, no, a horse can defo not support the weight of a gorilla. Yeah, and they put the beast on the horse and he's, like, three times the size of it. And it's like, oh, Philippe's mm-hmm. crushed. Yeah. Say goodbye to your spine. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I actually... This is actually a little bit later, but I actually love that scene, and they do it really quickly, and I think that's fine, because we got things that we have to do in this movie, but they have the whole scene through the winter where they're, they do this in the animated and the live action, where they have the scene in the winter, where they sing that song, and they have that chemistry, and I feel like that scene is so effective, it's like, through that whole scene, you start to like the beast, and the beast becomes that weird kind of monster fucker attractive. Are you talking and, like, about the scene, that. are you talking about the scene where the beast fucking no-scopes Belle right in the face <laughs> yes. with a snowball? Yes, I am! <laughs> that... The, the, <laughs> That scene is great. It's just like, I don't know. She play, throws a playful snowball at him, and then he gets, grabs one like twice the size of her head and like yeah. lobs it right dead center at her nose, and she falls. Yes. And you don't see her get back up, and they cut <laughs> away after we see the beast just heartily laughing. Can you imagine if in the next scene she had like a giant bandaid on her nose? <laughs> It's so no, good. but I love that whole that whole. It's, it's not really a montage. That whole kind of like musical scene right. where they're like singing and talking and like reading together, and she like makes fun of her for liking Romeo and Juliet and all those things. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they establish this chemistry between them really effectively. Yeah. 
So even if they don't necessarily get to the romance, to, like, the ball scene, like, they definitely establish a chemistry really, really well. For sure, yeah. And uh, I have one thing written here, and I said, like, the one moment where I, like, really bought them as, like, having real romantic chemistry is there's this Mm -hmm. moment where the Beast says something when they're standing on the bridge, and Belle is just, like, super smiley and keeps, like, looking back at him. You know the shot that I'm talking mm-hmm. about? And it was, yeah, like, really was good. And I was like, oh, I totally buy it in this moment specifically. And not mm-hmm. as much in the rest of the movie. But there was at least a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool stuff. She's super into him. Yeah. And there's also, uh, there's the scene where she saves him from the wolves and they get him back to the castle. And then she literally, like, puts some stuff on his arm, ignores him, he rolls over, and then she walks two feet away and starts complaining about him super loudly. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, my favorite part from this whole bit is uh, Mm -hmm. when the Beast is, like, injured in bed, and uh, Belle is just reciting Shakespeare to herself while sitting down next to him while he sleeps. Don't worry about Why it. Why is she doing that? <laughs> well, I thought she was, like, reading to him because she's on bed rest or whatever. He was asleep, though, and That's they don't true. like each other. Why would she be reciting Shakespeare at him? Uh, yeah. So what I have down is, <laughs> let me complain. <laughs> no, it's related. What I've written down is, let me complain about him while he sleeps. A lot of stuff happens to the Beast when he's supposed to be asleep. <laughs> Anyway, um, um okay, by the I way, down, uh, yeah. She uh they have that whole exchange where she's like, How do you know Shakespeare? And he's like, I had a very expensive education. Um and then like ten minutes later, he fucking doesn't know how to eat soup out of a bowl. <laughs> 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 and she has to like show him. Guess they don't teach you how to eat soup at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say that, uh, the songs that they add into this movie generally are really, really good. Like, mm-hmm. I really like Days in the Sun. It's a little clunky in how they mix between the singers, but, like, in general, I think it's a really cool song. Yeah. Uh, except for Paris of My Childhood, the one she sings when they go into the plague house. That one sucks. <laughs> okay. She's like, I used to live here and I'm sad yeah. now. <laughs> uh, are we past the moment where. Mrs. Potts is like, I'll tell you when you're older. No, because I have that written down. Okay, yeah. That's the worst joke in the world. Yeah, because (laughs) the answer is a boner. That's the thing, though. That's the answer. (laughs) It's not... They're like, oh, something's finally happening between them. Implying that they're romantically interested in each other. And if a little kid were like, what do you mean? I'd be like, oh, I just meant that it seems like they're starting to like each other. When she says, I'll tell you when you're older, it just means that Mrs. Potts was thinking, oh, yeah, they're going to (laughs) fuck. Yeah. No, dog. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's the worst. I hate it. Okay, so. And Miss um, Potts isn't even capable of saying, oh, I think they're falling in love. She's like. No, she can't even bring it up. It's not a possibility in her mind. It's just like, I can't tell my son that I think they're going to fuck, so I just have to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to change the subject immediately. Yeah. And then also the joke that Chip actually has about, I'm older now, is also just not funny, because it's not funny. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just not funny. You're, you're not funny, Chip. Go <laughs> hang out with Lumiere. Um, so I like how they characterize the Beast, how he is kind of rude and kind of stuck up, but, like, not in, like, a I'm a monster kind of way, but, right. like, in just, like, a real way. Like, he's just, like, kind of condescending. Yeah, but no, like, he feels like a real guy. Yeah, because, but because it's so much more, like, a little bit realistic, it's a little bit, like, more, like, 
endearing. I don't know. It's like when he's like, some of them are Greek, and it's like kind of a jerky joke, but it's still like a joke. Yeah. I don't know, like you let it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I said the Beast is cute because like I really like all his mannerisms, like when he like shakes his head and stuff, and like the way that he like. I think a good example of that is, like, when he's, like, knocking on her door and stuff, and he keeps, like, turning around and looking at them and, like, shrugging and, like, hitting the door, and all these, like, mannerisms and movements that he do are just, like, so good at characterizing the character and giving it a little bit more emotion. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm and looking through my notes. And then I have my really well. Yeah, I know. Um, I have written down next, they eat tomato soup a lot. <laughs> Enough for there to be character development related to tomato soup. <laughs> It's like you ate soup once and it was weird, and then two days later you ate tomato soup. <laughs> yeah, again. it's true. You don't really know how long they're there because it's only enough time yeah. for the dad to go back and have a conversation with the townspeople. Yeah, and then for them to come back like immediately, like within a few hours of him getting yeah. back and attack their castle. So that's like what, like a day and a half? Like what are we? No, because they tell they don't they they don't tell you the exact time and it keeps changing because then after that point they're like it's been five days there and back and it's like well the journey was supposed to be one day right cinema sids (laughs) um (laughs) uh the weird magic book that they have yeah sucks nothing good about it it's so weird and dumb and it literally actually in real life (laughs) takes you anywhere you want to go and the only thing we use it for is to tell you that Belle's dead mom is dead We tell you that a character that we already know is dead is dead. Yeah. She died from the plague. Is that interesting? Still no. No. Also, y'all should get out of this windmill before you catch and die of the plague, (laughs) because it's 1700s France. (laughs) Uh. Uh, (laughs) Okay. The next thing I have written is, uh, what is the magic gold from the ceiling? Don't, yeah. Because they, I think they showed it in an earlier scene, didn't they? Well, they showed you as a part of, like, the sweeping, like, camera of, like, how pretty this room is. Right. They're, like, look at all this gold stuff. I think, I feel like with a lot of the, like, flying dishes and gold falling from the ceiling, it's like, you have to just, like, there's an enchantment on the castle. There are no rules. <laughs> right. Who cares? But this movie <laughs> like, sets up so many rules. It goes I so know, far out of its way to, to set up rules. so many rules. There are no rules. <laughs> if this were the, the only animated rule one, is that there are no rules. Yeah, in the animated one, there are no rules, and that's fine. Yeah. But they add so many rules. Okay, what do I have written after that? Uh, the dress design. There was a lot of controversy of fifty percent of people thinking that the dress is really ugly, and then the other fifty percent getting really, really defensive about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Going, it's not ugly. But, like, I don't know. Would you be saying that if it were on a man? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's not terrible. But it's just, well, two things. First of all, it's a weird dress. It's not like a ball gown, and it's not like a casual dress. It's just, like, a weird design. And it moves really prettily, but, like, when she stands still, or where you get a close-up where you can't see the skirt, it just, like, looks like she's wearing a tank top, and it's just weird. (laughs) And it's got a weird texture, and it's weird. It's not terrible, it's just not great. Honestly and truly, I did not think one way or the other about it. Like, thoughts about the dress didn't even enter my brain while I was watching it any of the times that I've seen it. Well, it's just because you're comparing it to the original animated dress, which is just, like, a first of all, a gorgeous piece of animation, and also just, like, is such a specific, iconic look. Right. And I understand not wanting to just repeat it, but, like, it feel it felt weird to not even emulate it, like, That's at all. True, to yeah. just do something totally... Especially to ditch it 
and their weird suedo feminism felt kind of misguided. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to go on a Disney tangent real quick because we've been talking about feminism a lot. Okay, sure. But people have this really bad habit of looking at the classic Disney films and being, these movies are terrible for little girls. Don't let your daughters watch it. And I feel like that's so misguided and sad. Mm -hmm. It's like Snow White doesn't teach your little girl to pick a fight and solve her problems herself. But it does teach your little girl that being nice is important and sometimes being (laughs) nice pays off. Right, yeah. And that it's good to have connections with people. And there is bad in the world, but just because there's bad in the world doesn't mean that you should stop being sweet. Right, yeah. And I think that's an excellent lesson. Yeah, there are morals to be taught to kids besides just how to deal with the fact that they're oppressed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, I mean... Yeah, they're like they always point to Cinderella and Snow White and Sleeping Beauty as being like these anti-feminist stories, and they're just really not. It always rubs me the wrong way, because I feel right. like I don't know. I feel like trying to put a label on feminism, being like this isn't feminist and this is feminist, mm-hmm. is just like kind of I don't know. It's because feminism isn't black and white. It's a lot of things working together to right. create an equality. Exactly. Because it's about equality between things. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I just feel like... <laughs> Can is... you hear Franklin? <laughs> yeah, it's Franklin being in your room this whole time. No, he's outside of my door <laughs> speaking his toy. <laughs> okay, you laugh. That's so good. I was like, wow, has Franklin been in Adeline's room the whole time? He's been so quiet. <laughs> okay, where was I? Um... Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, and this movie, it also drew a lot of criticism. One of the things that I remember really strongly about this movie was there's that whole sort of controversy about Lafoe at Disney being like, he's the first out gay character in the Disney canon ever. Yeah. And people were all, like, super upset about it because they didn't like the way they treated it or the fact that he wasn't, like, outwardly gay enough oh. in the movie or all these different things. Um, yeah. Which I understand, you know, I think, you know, people have their right to be frustrated with it. But I will always remember some of my coworkers at the movie theater. Uh, one of them, uh, I, I was about to say lesbian, but I'm realizing now that I don't think that that's true. She might have been bi or something else. Was queer in yeah. some capacity and took her girlfriend to see the movie and was so excited about it. And she was posting <laughs> on Facebook about how much she loved Beauty and the Beast like for like a week afterwards. And she was so excited to have LaFoe in it. And like, is it LaFoe mm-hmm. or LaFou, by the way? Uh, I think it's LeFou. Okay. Regardless, these this people, like this girl and her girlfriend who went to see it, loved it and were so excited about it. And it's just like, I don't know, it's one of those things that always reminds me that, like, people have their own opinions and it's okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> There's, like, a million different perspectives and each perspective is totally valid. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. It's Again, it's just having the conversation. <laughs> Frankly, go away. <laughs> uh, what do I have written down? Oh, so... They have that part after the dance where he sends her away. And he's and she's like, can you really be happy if you're not free? And it's yeah. like, we've established that there is literally nothing keeping you here. You ran away and nobody stopped you. Right. There's and nothing stopping you now from running away. You are free. You are here by choice. There is nothing keeping you yeah, here. And on top of that, um, if she decides to stay there and be in love with him... 
then the curse is broken, right? So yeah. he's off the hook. The two of them can go wherever they want. Why are they not free? Yeah. Unless this is See, some weird, he... heavy-handed metaphor about marriage being a trap or something. Like, it just I doesn't mean, make also... any sense. He also literally gave her a book that in reality can take <laughs> her anywhere she wants to go. Right. And she could just be like, okay, we're back at the village. Peace out, the beast. See you later. <laughs> like, there's so many things she could... If she wanted to run away from him, there's 10 billion things she could have done. Yeah. And she hasn't because there's no reason for her to because she's not right. trapped there. The whole conversation just doesn't make any sense whatsoever yeah, it on doesn't. any level. Um, and I don't remember that, it in the animated movie. Yeah, and on top of that, when she runs away, they're all like, oh, that's it. We're doomed. But, like, she just went to go do something in town. Yeah. Like, she can come back if she wants to like why are I they acting just like, like that's the end i think they just don't expect her to come back Maybe. i don't know it's weird it, well it's like even them not expecting her to come back and it's like that doesn't even make any sense because she already came back once she mm. already ran away and came back once why do you think she's not going to do it again y'all have been hanging out with Belle for like a month or a day who knows <laughs> right and so like you should know by now that like she is is friends with the beast at least yeah. and has already run away and come back. She enjoys and it's like, why spending would time you... with him. Yeah, so why would she never, ever come back? Mm-hmm. I think they're just afraid that she won't come back in time, maybe? I don't know. I guess that's true. I guess you're pretty close to the, the deadline there. Yeah. Maybe maybe that wasn't fair. Maybe that was something I just didn't pick up on. Uh, I also love the song, Evermore. Yeah, I like that song. It might just be, you know, Stockholm Syndrome, uh, just like Bill has in this movie. Uh, um, But uh, just because when I worked at the theater, I had to listen to that song like a million times. (laughs) But like, I I, I, I like that song. I think it's good. Um, Because it plays during the credits when I was cleaning theaters. Uh, Yeah. Can I just say, for a while, like, people really liked that song. So when we were cleaning theaters, we would, like, lip sync it or, like, sing it to each other or whatever. And, like, yeah. every once in a while, there would, like, be some customers still in the seats, and they would tell our <laughs> managers at guest services, like, oh, your employees are so fun. It's so fun that they do stuff like that. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> every time we can feel our, like, our bosses getting closer and closer to, like, telling us to do stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually we just stopped because we were like, we don't want this to be mandatory. <laughs> Enforced. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I like that song. I think it's a good song. Yeah. I mean, there are some lines where, like, the effects on his voice get really heavy, but the rest of the time it's great. Yeah. I only remember it as Josh Groban saying it, so... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, let's see. Okay, so why does LeFou need to be skeptical of all this if he doesn't do anything at all in the sequence? Well, no, so... First of all... I feel like it was because they made the decision to make him gay, is that they didn't want him to be the blundering villain that he kind of is in the right. original. Which is fine. But they have they have they set it up throughout the whole movie that it's like LeFou loves Gaston, but he also kind of starts to understand that Gaston is kind of a shitty person. Right. So they there's several points in the movie where he kind of realized that and kinda of questions his judgment mm-hmm. and then Gaston like turns around and threatens him. And so when at the very end you have that moment between him and Mrs. Potts where he does something good. Right, that's true. I don't know. I, I guess I feel like I feel like that was just like the whole payoff and I think there should have been more of a yeah. payoff. I guess I'm not questioning like the effectiveness of his arc. I just don't mm-hmm. think it was in service of anything. 
Yeah. It's just totally like its own little isolated thing. And if LeFou was straight up not even in this movie, nothing would really be different, you know? Yeah. It's just... It, I, will, I mean, Mrs. Potts would be dead. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, you could just have her not get flung through the air in that specific way. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not manda- that's not mandated by the plot. And land exactly where she was. Yeah. It's like in... <laughs> I just remember thinking about X-Men Apocalypse, where I was like, none of those characters did anything. And somebody was like, what about at the end when they all teamed up and shot at him? It's like, <laughs> you could have just had it that only three of them were enough to, to beat him. Needed to do Rather that. than five. Anyway, yeah. this is this isn't anything. Continue. <laughs> uh, Agatha, being the sorceress, was just convoluted and dumb and didn't do anything. Yeah, I don't even remember what the real payoff of that was. Okay, so what it is, is that at the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh, it's a sorceress. And it's like, great, whatever. And then when Gaston is talking to Belle, he's like, you don't want to end up like Agatha, this old woman who lives alone and begs for money. And then later, when the dad gets killed, or not killed, gets tied to the tree, Agatha saves him. Right. And then she saves the beast at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's what one of the things I have written down. It, okay, well, actually what I typed was, uh, why does she turn him black? But what I meant to say was, why does she turn him back? And it turns out this was the stealth spawn prequel the whole time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that joke is because in Spawn, um, when he gets turned into Spawn, he was a black man, but then he becomes a white man, and that's part of the story. Anyway, that this is nothing. I um, I also cool. have... Uh, there's that line where... Uh, I don't even remember what somebody says, but then Gaston is like, it's hero time. Oh, it's, Which is it's very good. Food. I really like that. Yeah. Um, also, there's that moment where the coat hanger boxes that guy, and they play like a ding-ding bell before he starts doing it. <laughs> and that was the worst. I hated that. I don't think I even noticed that, probably really? just because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Might as well happen. Yeah. And then it gets so, like, violent. Like, right in, next to oh, each yeah. other, they have, like, no, they the piano shooting people. keys at people like a machine gun, and then Lumiere, like, lights off a stick of dynamite. <laughs> and this pot starts pouring boiling yeah. water on it's people. It's brutal, man. <laughs> it's crazy. They're trying to, like, play it up, like, oh, haha. And it's like, no, no. That, that looks bad. You'd be dead. But there's also... There's also... I'm debating whether or not to bring it out where the ward, there's like the three guys who have kind of been hanging out with Gaston and she like shoots dresses right. on all of them. And they're, okay, first of all, two of them were like, ah, dresses! <laughs> and it's like, okay. We're but then one of them, I know, but then the other one is like, yas, queen. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, both of these reactions are stupid. <laughs> both of these were dumb. You didn't have to do either of these. Um, right at the end, when they're all okay, first of all, the sequence where they're all turning back into furniture takes forever. That's like a six-minute scene. Oh my god! And the only thing, okay, the part where Mrs. Potts comes in and she can't find Chip. That scene gets me. That right. part's sad. <laughs> but then everything else about that scene doesn't matter. Yeah. But then what's hilarious is when Chip is falling from somewhere. He just like shoots out of the air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> he skateboards everywhere. <laughs> we don't get shown why he's falling, what he's falling from. They're out on the patio. There's nothing above yeah. them. But Chip he's just, just like, what's somehow, that mom? <laughs> somehow Chip is just flying through the air and somebody has to catch him. <laughs> and it's and it's the clothes stand who doesn't get a name and we never know anything about. He's just there all the time. Jim's just like, what's up, fuckers? <laughs> and then crashes into the ground. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, that's he really got me. Um, I'm still mad about the prince. She <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to be buffer? Like, yeah, I mean, that's the joke. From like even from the animated movie was that the animated beast wasn't as handsome as the original beast. But it's like even the animated beast, I don't remember what his name is. It's like Adam or something. But he's like he's at least like buff and kind of looks like the beast. So it's like right. okay, this isn't the same, but it's fine. It's fair. But in this movie, it's like literally just like a completely different person. It's like this thin, tiny guy who's like an inch taller than Belle, <laughs> and she like a recognizes him immediately. Right. She's like, oh, yes, this is the thing that I fell in love with. That's what I was imagining in my mind's eye. It's you. Yeah, after all this time. And then, it's, first of all, that. And second of all, she's like, even Belle isn't happy with how she looks. Because at the wedding, she's like, hey, can you grow a beard? Because I don't, I want the other one, the one I fell in love right. with. I want that one. <laughs> So, okay, one of the things that I love to talk about in this movie is uh, when they all turn back to life, and Lumiere has been so goofy this whole time. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm Lumiere. And then he, like, turns into a real guy, and I have to actually look at you and McGregor and be like, oh, <laughs> check me out. I'm your friend. And you're like, god damn it. I'm so embarrassed <laughs> by you. I am a man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it, like it seeing that voice thinking, come though, out of a human person. Yeah. It, uh, it got me kind of thinking, though. Like, I don't think anyone – I can't think of any other instance – of somebody having to play the same character in live action as well as voice acting before. That's true. And that's a really interesting acting challenge, I think. Like, how to find yeah. that balance. I think he fails at it. But, <laughs> yeah, I think he, I got it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any other, like, acting situation yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, so there's tons of like transformation movies where so, where they like go from an animal to being a person, but like even that you're still it's still animated. Like I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I have to think like, about it. Some and more. The, I mean, it's a there's a little bit of that with the princess and the frog with Naveen, where he goes from being this suave prince into being the frog back into the suave prince. But I feel like the voice you're still voice acting much, the whole thing. Yeah, and it still pretty much works for both both characters. Mm. It gets a little weird when he's a frog, but it's fine. <laughs> but uh. So, yeah, and then at the end, all the townsfolk are just like, oh, we're cool now! We forgot! Yeah. We remember! It's literally the end of Wreck-It Ralph yeah, exactly. again. They're like, oh, that's right! So was that God it? Damn. They had, like, a curse put on them so they couldn't remember all yeah. the people in the castle? Yeah. And they were townsfolk before. So yeah. they So they know everybody that just got turned back into people. Yes. That sucks. I hate that. And it's whatever. Well, what weirds me out about it is, like, okay, this is the king and queen and the prince and the castle of this one village? Are there more villages? Mm -hmm. Where are they? <laughs> is this the king and queen of France? <laughs> right, what? Yeah. It's just another thing of saying it in reality. It's like, okay, if you're going to put in reality, give me the rules of reality. I want the trade federation politics. <laughs> um... 
And the last thing I have in this movie is that last little shot where she's like, could you grow a beard? And he's like, bruh. It just, I know that sucks. It reminds me of the very last shot in Young Frankenstein where they reveal that Gene Wilder has a giant monster dick still. <laughs> Do you remember that? I have never seen Young Frankenstein. Oh, really? oh, I can't remember what happens. I just know the last scene in the movie. There's like... I'm going to get this super wrong, but I know the very yeah. last scene is Gene Wilder's in bed and some girl is like... Oh man, are you? Do you still have a little bit of Frankenstein in you? And he's like, and he like goes on top of her. And the joke is that he's got a giant Frankenstein dick. Yes. And that's like when they credits roll, <laughs> and that's what this yeah. reminds me of. It's like the end of North by Northwest, where there's the shot of the train going into the train tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> North by Northwest. Okay, I, to be fair, I haven't okay, seen I all of North by a- Northwest. But that sequence where they're chasing each other around Mount Rushmore sucks. sucks. It's, it's the worst. It's, it's like the weirdest, most disjointed editing I've ever seen. I'm afraid people are going to take that seriously. I really like Alfred Hitchcock, and I think he's a cool dude, and he invented storyboards, and I love him. But North by Northwest is a really weird film. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, like, get too into hot takes about North by Northwest <laughs> in our North Beauty by and the Beast podcast. A film from, like, 1945. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything okay. else before we move on? I mean, the last thing that I've written down is that the end credits are hella weird. Oh, I kind of like the end credits. Oh, you like that? They're so weird. I don't know. I, don't I like know. end credits that like show you a picture of the person when they say their name. Yeah. I, that's just nice to me because I feel like it's that extra bit of, like, this is who they yeah. were. It's like the weird, like, nod at the audience. <laughs> I just, like, ropes me the weird And it's feel, it felt like, like the ending of, like, an autobiography or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird, uh, it was like, like a curtain call. here they are now. Yeah, it was like a curtain call. I don't know. I dig it. Yeah. It was, I don't know. I thought it was weird. Fine. Well, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> I like that, like, the actual credits at the very end aren't just, like, white words on a black screen. They've got, like, the pretty yeah. paintings and stuff behind, which I appreciate. You know, a lot of not a lot of movies. Yeah put effort into that can we stop making credits boring yeah i, I know. like pretty credits i like them being pretty <laughs> there's a oh have you seen eighth grade yet no i haven't eighth yet. grade has super pretty credits i won't spoil it for you but yeah the credits are very pretty oh wait sorry this is unrelated but we have to do an episode about to all the boys i've ever loved before so i could talk about how much i hate the younger sister <laughs> <laughs> okay what a freaking bitch she is <laughs> Me and Adeline watched to all the boys I've loved before a little while ago, and Adeline really hated the little sister. She's she sucks so bad. I hate her. <laughs> okay, she's the villain of this movie. So uh, I've gone first for our secondary things for like the last four episodes. Do you have something this time? I kind of have some. It's a weird like combination of things. Do you want me to go first? No, I could go okay. first. Okay. So I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about, well, last week I talked about the Steven Universe art book, so I'm just going to continue on the theme and talk about uh, We Bear Bears. Uh, okay. Uh, we Bear Bears is another cartoon on Cartoon Network, but this is a lot less plot-heavy, so <laughs> there's not really any spoilers I could give. Right. Unless, in the time that I haven't been watching it, there's been a huge plot update, but I doubt, and I hope not. <laughs> uh, so, it, We Bear Bears is a story about three brothers, well, three adopted brothers who are all bears, and just, like, the shenanigans they get into, and it's, like, we talked about this before, kind of with the Coen Brothers stuff, but, it's like, it's one of those things that's just, like, so nice and right. easy to consume, and it's funny, and the animation is really good. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's just all the shenanigans that these bears get into, but it's like these bears set into like a modern setting. They like hound apartment, they go out for boba, and they do all these things. <laughs> right. It's just really funny. Uh, and it's one of the few cartoons I can watch with my dad in the room where he won't want to gouge his eyes out. So it's like, <laughs> congratulations, Wee Bear yeah. Bears, you created a cartoon that my dad likes. Yeah, no, and so many of the, like, modern Cartoon Network shows get, like, this huge aura of, like, importance around them. Like, Adventure yeah. Time and Steven Universe, and it's like, everybody loves this, and you've got to like it, and it's a super long, and it's really yeah. involved, and it's still a kid's show, but, you know, it's got all these crazy things. And that always is just, like, overwhelming to me. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, but, and, you know, We Bear Bears is, like, the only, like, modern kids cartoon that I, like, actually have watched in my own spare time. Like, I like it. It's fun to yeah. watch. It's just nice. It's something nice to have on in the background for 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Well, and I want to have a specific shout-out to Louis Zong, who does the, is a storyboard artist on We Bear Bears. Right. Because he's, like, he's, like, my hero. I love him. He, well, first of all, it's just because he's a storyboard artist, and he does awesome storyboards for that show, but he also right. just does really, really cool side projects. Like, he does, well, first of all, he does animated videos for My Brother, My Brother, and Me all the time, which are hilarious and cool. Yeah. And then he, like, writes songs, and he does little shorts, and he has this little project that he does where he, like, just, like, creates part of parts of a video game without, like, actually making <laughs> a video game. I don't know. Yeah. I just think he's super cool, so I wanted to talk about, first of all, him and also Wee Bear Bears. But, yeah, what what's really cool about Wee Bear Bears is that it's, like, so easily digestible, and it's fun, and it's nice, and it's funny. But it's also, like, we've been talking about kind of, like, light... Feminism, this is kind of like, We Bear Bears does this really good job of just like being accepting of everything without having the point be that everything is in it. Yeah, like for there's sure. women characters, there's characters of color who are drawn super well and in really cool ways. <laughs> like, I've seen a lot more discourse online on how uh, Asian American or Asian characters are drawn and like how to do that without having them be kind of. Like, the closed-eyes Asian persona right. kind of needs to die, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, We Bear Bears does such a good job of drawing all these people in, like, a really cool and humanizing way. And it's just like, here's another person. It looks like people that you see walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Like, they just do such a good job of drawing these characters in a relatable way. When it's a show about bears, <laughs> but all the humans are really cool. Right. No, yeah, I've always said that, like, the most efficient means of like progressive storytelling is just to tell a story as if the statement you want to make has already been made. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We bear bears is like, they just go around and they do stuff. Like one of the main (laughs) characters is this little, I think she's, I think she's Korean, but she might not be, (laughs) but she's this little girl who they go around and she's best friends with ice bear and they go to the museum and he meets an albino alligator. That's like his hero. And it's important to him that he sees it. It's like, it's just like these nice, cute stories. Right. Like, one of the characters is a park ranger who's a super strong, buff, excited woman, and that's just who she is, and we don't have a whole... We don't have a whole episode of how she's defined gender roles. She's just like, this is just who this character (laughs) is. Here's a story about that. We're not going to have the story be why that is. Just like, here's her in in this scenario. Let's go. Right. They They have an episode about the Girl Scouts, where there are just, like, 12 different little girls, and they're all super different and super cool. Yeah. And it's, like, not a plot point. It's just, like, here are these little girls. We're going to go. Grizz, like, almost falls down a canyon or something. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It just is really nice. It's a good combination of things, and it's really fun. And I think if you want to check out just something nice, just something nice to look at and consume, I would recommend We Bear Bears. Right. 
Okay, so uh, my thing is uh, the... I'm trying to think about how I want to start this. One of my favorite bands is uh, the Tours, which is one of Jack White's mini bands. <laughs> one of Jack White's <laughs> yeah. 10 million projects. He doesn't have really that many. It's just the White Stripes and the Tours and his solo career and the Dead Weather. Yes. Um, and? No, that's it. I think. I mean, <laughs> I, at least things. I think that's it. He did that song with, with <laughs> Danger Mouse once, but that wasn't really a band. That was just some people he played with once. Anyway. <laughs> that was just a thing that happened. Um... Yeah, but they, you know, they're a band that's made up of a whole bunch of musicians from different musical groups, you know? So they all kind of have their own other thing going on. So they came together in the 2000s, early 2000s, and they made two super good albums, which were called Consoler of the Lonely and Broken Boy Soldiers. Mm. Um, And they're these great albums. I super loved them. But they pretty much essentially broke up. Like, they didn't, like, break up, but they were like, okay, you know, we're moving on from the tours. we're yeah. doing our own stuff. Um, we did the thing that we wanted to do, and that was Yeah, fun. precisely. Um, and apparently this happened, like, a month ago, and I didn't know about it until this week. <laughs> uh, but they got back together and came out with two new songs, and they've got an album coming out later this year, which I totally never thought was ever going to happen, and I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Um, the two new songs are called Sunday Driver and Now That You're Gone, um, mm-hmm. and they're both, like, the raconteurs play really, like, folksy, country-inspired. Yeah. But it's also sort of grungy and garage rocky at the same time. It's like this cool melding. Yeah, it's of, like a weird mix. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they did Steady As She Goes, that famous alt-rock song from 2003. Steady As She Goes. Yeah. Steady As She Goes. Yeah, mm-hmm, that one. <laughs> yeah. You can keep going. No. <laughs> I remember, um... In my, I hate to interrupt you, but I just picked up my chocolate coin again, and I realized that it's, a, it's not a chocolate coin; it's a chocolate euro, and I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> anyway, I, you can keep doing what you're doing. I was just gonna say, my sophomore year of high school, one of the upperclassmen bands that got to play at our big concert at the end of the year played "Steady as She Goes," and I lost my mind. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um. Because I remember hearing them rehearsing in the band room while I was walking through the halls and, like, my ears perking up and me being like, I had, like, poked my head and I was like, Miles, Miles, are you going to play that song? (laughs) He was like, yeah, man. I was like, oh! (laughs) Miles is one of those figures that it's like, you are a person that I look up to and Miles was a person that you looked up to. So (laughs) in my mind, Miles is, like, this weird, like, God figure. (laughs) That, like, met the president or something. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, he did get to meet the president. I mean, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, he met Obama. Maybe he'll listen to this podcast someday. I doubt it. I haven't yeah. talked to him in years. But um, yeah. I am still on All a I'm... Google Doc with him of an exhaustive list of band names that he updates pretty yeah. regularly. Well, because so. he's the one who started that, and now you and me do that. Yeah, pretty and much. And he met Obama, and the, first, the only time that I saw him, he had the same haircut as Henry Selleck. Oh, yeah, so he has the worst haircut in the world. I don't know if he yeah. still has the worst haircut in the world, but when he was in high school, he had the worst haircut in the world. I have I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about this guy, because I haven't talked to him. <laughs> I don't know. Years. He's just like this weird... He's just like this person that I know a lot about, but I've never met in my whole life. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, Raconteurs, two new songs called... <laughs> um, what are they called? They're called Sunday Driver and Now That You're Gone. And presumably, in a few months, they'll have a whole album that I'll probably talk about again that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to look up my review because I forgot to. 
Yeah, I, I felt like you did, because I felt like you would have brought it up by now. <laughs> the fact that you didn't was a red flag. I feel like at some point we should just do Tangled, because I want to force you to watch Tangled again. Uh, okay. Okay. So, uh, here is... I, I, I don't remember what the last thing we said before I'm cutting to this is. Uh, uh, you just whispered that you were going to get your five star. <laughs> yeah, I, I did before that, obviously. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about Miles. Yeah. So this is going to be... I, I hate that. So check out this five-star review. No. i got to figure out a good way to preface this. Okay. Go ahead. Speaking of Beauty and the Beast... Yep. We were talking about that, Jackson, my brother. Um, Danielle on Letterboxd.com gives it five stars and says... Just when I thought this movie couldn't get any better, they slapped me in the face with this thank you. I never knew I needed this till now. I will forever be listening to this soundtrack. Once again, thank you. They really did that. <laughs> I hate that she said, really, they did that. God. Man, I can't believe they did it to you. Wow. <laughs> you know I had to do I it to him. Yeah. <laughs> I... Simpsons episode where Maggie speaks and she gives like that whole feminist agenda speech for no reason. Yeah. That's how I felt this episode. <laughs> <laughs>